the autobiography of Malcolm X. Malcolm X was a black Muslim minister, a militant, a social and political activist, and a hero to many. His journey toward activism began in prison where he first learned to read with understanding and write with precision. It was because of my letters that I happened to stumble upon starting to acquire some kind of a homemade education. I became increasingly frustrated at not being able to express what I wanted to convey in letters that I wrote, especially those to Mr. Elijah Muhammad. In the street, I had been the most articulate hustler out there. I had commanded attention when I said something, but now trying to write simple English, I not only wasn't articulate, I wasn't even functional. How would I sound writing in slang the way I would say it? Something such as, look, daddy, let me pull your coat about cat, Elijah Muhammad. Many who today hear me somewhere in person or on television or those who read something I've said will think I went to school far beyond the eighth grade. This impression is due entirely to my prison studies. It had really begun back in the Charleston prison when Bimby first made me feel envy of his stock of knowledge. Bimby had always taken charge of any conversations he was in and I had tried to emulate him. But every book I picked up had few sentences which didn't contain anywhere from one to nearly all the words that might as well have been in Chinese. When I just skipped those words, of course, I really ended up with little idea what the book said. <clears throat> so I had come to the Norfolk prison colony, still going through only book reading motions. Pretty soon I would have quit even these motions unless I had received the motivation that I did. I saw that the best thing I could do was get hold of a dictionary to study, to learn some words. I was lucky enough to reason also that I should try to improve my penmanship. It was sad. I couldn't even write in a straight line. It was both ideas together that moved me to request a dictionary, along with some tablets and pencils from the Norfolk Prison Colony School. I spent two days just rifling uncertainly uncertainly through the dictionary's pages. I'd never realized so many words existed. I didn't know which words I needed to learn. So finally, just to start some kind of action, I began copying. In my slow, painstaking, ragged handwriting, I copied into my tablet everything printed on that first page down to the punctuation marks. I believe it took me a day then aloud, I read back to myself everything I'd written on the tablet. Over and over, aloud to myself, I read my own handwriting. I woke up the next morning thinking about those words, immensely proud to realize that not only had I written so much at one time, but I'd written words that I never knew were in the world. Moreover, with a little effort, I could also remember what many of these words meant. I reviewed the words whose meanings I didn't remember. Funny thing, from the dictionary's first page right now, that aardvark springs into my mind. The dictionary had a picture of it, a long-tailed, skinny-eared, burrowing African mammal which lives off termites caught by sticking out its tongue as an anteater does for ants. 
I was so fascinated that I went on. I copied the dictionary's next page, and the same experience came when I studied that. With every succeeding page, I also learned of people and places and events from history. Actually, the dictionary is like a miniature encyclopedia. Finally, the dictionary's A section had filled a whole tablet, and I went on into the B's. That was the way I started copying what eventually became the entire dictionary. It went a lot faster after so much practice helped me to pick up handwriting speed. Between what I wrote in my tablet and writing letters during the rest of my time in prison, I would guess I wrote a million words. I suppose it was inevitable that as my word base broadened, I could for the first time pick up a book and read and now begin to understand what the book was saying. Anyone who has read a great deal can imagine the new world that opened. Let me tell you something. From then until I left that prison, in every free moment I had, if I was not reading in the library, I was reading in my bunk. You couldn't have gotten me out of books with a wedge. Between Mr. Mohammed's teachings, my correspondence, my visitors, usually Ella and Reginald, and my reading of books, months passed without my even thinking about being imprisoned. In fact, up to then, I never had been so truly free in my life. The Norfolk Prison Colony's library was in the school building. A variety of classes was taught there by instructors who came from such places as Harvard and Boston universities. The weekly debates between inmate teams were also held in the school building. You'd be astonished to know how worked up convict debaters and audiences would get over subjects like should babies be fed, fed milk? Available on the prison library shelves were books on just about every general subject. Much of the big private collection that Parkhurst had had willed to the prison was still in crates and boxes in the back of the library. Thousands of old books. Some of them looked ancient. Covers faded, old time parchment looking, parchment looking binding. Parkhurst, I've mentioned, seemed to have been principally interested in history and religion. He had the money and the special interest to have a lot of books that you wouldn't have in general circulation. Any college library would have been lucky to get that collection. As you can imagine, especially in a prison where there was heavy emphasis on rehabilitation, an inmate was smiled upon if he demonstrated unusually intense interest in books. There was a sizable number of well-read inmates, especially the popular debaters. Some were said by many to be practically walking encyclopedias. They were almost celebrities. No university would ask any student to devour literature as I did when this new world opened to me of being able to read and understand. I read more in my room than in the library itself. An inmate who was known to read a lot could check out more than the permitted maximum number of books. I preferred reading in the total isolation of my own room. When I had progressed to really serious reading, every night at about 10 p.m., I would be outraged with the lights out. It always seemed to catch me right in the middle of something engrossing. Fortunately, right outside my door was a corridor light that cast a glow in my room. The glow was enough to read by once my eyes adjusted to it. So when lights out came, I could sit on the floor where I could continue reading in that glow. At one hour intervals, the night guards paced past every room. 
Each time I heard the approaching footsteps, I jumped into bed and feigned sleep. And as soon as the guard passed, I got back out of bed onto the floor area of that light glow where I would read for another 58 minutes until the guard approached again. That went on until three or four every morning. Three or four hours of sleep a night was enough for me. Often in the years in the streets, I had slept less than that.